Sorry, I was just trying to turn it on and I don't know if it's on. But um good morning everyone. Um good I hope morning. you've all had a wonderful week. I have not. I don't know why. We don't need that I negativity. Mean, but I mean so I'm trying to get my work done, you know, and uh, I just my concept of time has flown out of the window. It's Saturday already and it felt like yesterday was Monday. And it's just you know, it's it's, it's very bad for productivity getting your work done. But you know, I managed to come here, get into the studio on time-ish, kind of, Amen. and we're gonna we're gonna talk about a lovely um lovely topic today. So um, welcome to you, me, and a cup of tea, and this is Inspire FM. Remember to follow us on Instagram. Um, thank you. Oh yeah, we've got one of our new new what? Shout him out. Sh- okay, Inspire FM, and we've also got our other producer Abdul Qadir. You know, at so you, you want to at his Instagram? I don't follow him, so I don't know. I think it's <laughs> ja- I think it's Japanimation, maybe. I don't know. Um, it's probably AQ Butty in it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. What was that? <laughs> That's his last name. That's his last oh, name. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> look at this. Entering is hard, isn't it? No, there's they're working against my flow. That's why you see. Okay, cool. They're 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 dampening my flow. Anyway. Um, thank you all for watching again. Uh, our, uh, our message of the week is um, live so others can be free. And um, actually, Ash, would you like to tell us where that came from? Okay, so I'm going to introduce our lovely guest, Hersma. He is an undergrad. He studied undergrad. His undergraduate study was at Soas University, where he studied uh, religious religion. Religious, religious study, religion. sorry. And for his master's, he studied uh, religion and global politics. So he is a very credible individual. <laughs> he's got that knowledge. <laughs> so a legit knowledge. So everything he says is true. We've got professional here. We've got professional here, guys. Yeah. So, um, he, so I like I like this. Yeah. He's bigging me up. Yeah, of course. Got he's, got all that power, man. Man. he's got that good good knowledge. Like, it, like that. If, if he says like you have to wash your hands three times when you do will do it's right. That's it. Boom. Isn't that a fatwa? What? Nah, nah. Look, it's British. It's British. <laughs> It's gonna only be in Luton communities. No, you don't have to worry about anyone else watching in it. So it's um. <laughs> anyways, yeah. So say whatever you want. It's all true. Um. No. Hopefully, uh, Hersma's gonna be dropping some good knowledge, nuggets of wisdom, hope. left, right, center. You know, because we can only hope. Can don't I, know. We, yeah, we don't know what's um, gonna happen. We understand that most of our viewers are not actually Muslim. So by all means, if you have a question about Islam or something that you want to clarify. You got you got the pro right in the studio, so you know you know what to do. <laughs> if okay. not, also it's on you guys, not on me. Of course, of course. Don't <laughs> worry, don't worry. We'll take it. We'll try our <laughs> best. Um, so thank you, uh, viewers, for watching. We really appreciate you guys being here. It's mm. you know, without you guys, we wouldn't exist. You're the sustenance yeah. of our reason of being here on a Saturday morning. Of course, thank man. you. So uh, today's topic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we covered the topic. <laughs> Well, the topic is about you know Muslims living in um is in Britain in Islam. I was gonna say living in Islam. That's lit. Now, uh, Muslims living in Britain, young Muslims, and um, how they navigate between, you know, the the law and the society's norms and their own religion. But uh, first, let's get to the article. Right? Oh, cool. So I'm gonna get this article done quite quickly. So the first the first article is the uh, United Nations have decided to have um a conservation treaty for the high seas, which is international waters protected by. Uh, it's going uh, protected by a bunch of countries, you know, United Nations, collective group of countries together to protect world, make sure peace is occurring. So what they decided to do was 140 governments decided to sign this International Waters Treaty to protect um, the sea, which indirectly benefits everyone, such as protecting the plankton in the sea as they produce oxygen and waters, making sure fish are protected, so on and so forth. 
and this is going to be the law of the sea convention and the aim of it is that hopefully they're going to get it signed by 2020 mid 2020 and that's going to be enacted upon after then uh and many different organizations are helping uh this project the second article is based on uh sorry second article is based upon the total emissions in the uk has actually fell uh, by 12 percent with four cars um and how that's dropping slowly and that's really positive because it means that britain is on on top of reducing co2 but the article does talk about how we've maintained our nitrogen oxide levels the same but if you read the article it gives you more information on what gases we have reduced and proper intro try again Oh wow, we did it too badly, man. I know. I, I felt that like introing is hard, isn't it? Yeah. I told you. Any, it's, it's a skill, it's a bro. Peak. Are, we, are we starting again then? I don't know. No, we're not. We're we're not finish these we're articles. Finish these we're articles. Finish the articles. Keep, keep it going, man. Um, I feel like I have to start all over again. Can you timestamp this moment, please? <laughs> Can we ti- actually timestamp this moment, please? I'm being very serious. All right, yeah, let's do it, man. Let's do it. I'll, I'll do that. Don't worry. Okay, cool. No, I, f- I feel so useless, man. Yeah. What can I say? It's, we're usually not like this. You know? <laughs> what do you mean we? I'm sorry, you is it my fault? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking, I'm joking. It's actually, it's because um, we got the new producer in the house, okay. isn't it? we got the fresh blood. Karen, 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 man. But yeah, um, all right. I'm going to finish the article finish and then you're going to restart article. again. Keep going. Because... Just carry on with the article. So yeah, total emissions have fallen down. That's the BBC article. You guys can go check that out. And the last article is to do with exoskeletons. Um, so it helps. It's connected to, you, it's connected to the individual spine and it helps uh, synap- synoptic synapse synaptic connections sorry I can't read uh, and rehabilitation process uh, which helps people who have muscle failure so on and so forth that's a very future technology that can help uh, people who are disabled in regards to physically being disabled to walk in again so that's a future benefit which is lovely okay would you like to intro properly I'll intro again um, I apologize would you like me to intro I will do it don't worry oh, cool. I'm a big boy I can do it alright so welcome to you me and a cup of tea again uh, this is Ash and Mass here or mash and mash and ass, oh, mash and ass. We love mash and ass. <laughs> nah, the donkey in it is calm. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, um, thank you for watching. Uh, we <coughs> apologise for this. We're not usually like this, but I think it's you know it's that new, it's that cold Just winter get blues. On with it. Get on with it. That's Just not how our intros work. I want to get to the guest. All right, look, we've got our <laughs> guest Hesma here with us to talk about young Muslims in Britain. So um, remember to follow us on Instagram, Inspire from Luton. Remember to share the video. And um, thank you all for watching. Let's carry on. Okay, is that good enough for you? Thank you. Are you I, fine? Are you I happy? appreciate it. So our guest is, you know, um, he studied undergraduate in religious studies and masters in uh, uh, religion and global politics at SOAS University, which is awesome. So today's topic is understanding how we're British Muslims navigate within Britain, British values and their Islamic values and how they're creating a new identity. Uh, so we're going to talk about things. We're going to talk about that. So let us swiftly get into that then. The articles are at the bottom. Thank you. Hersma, how are you, man? I'm good, bro. How are you? Not bad, bro. We apologize for the yeah. rusty start. Well, actually, actually Ali, Ali, our guest said that she loved the intro the first time. It was fine. So you guys are wrong. Okay. But okay. Uh, apart from that, yeah. So uh, I suppose, could you tell us um, what made you so interested about wanting to know so much about religion that you'd even choose to study a degree for it? I've always been interested in religion. Even, I think, probably the earliest is from a young age. I went to Wenlock Church of England Junior School, which mm-hmm. was obviously a Christian school, uh, Protestant. And I was a Muslim <laughs> myself. And 
when I went to the school, I was learning these different stories just about Christianity, mm-hmm. like the Good Samaritan, for instance. Like, stories like this that really resonated really well with me, even as a Muslim. And I remember mm-hmm. being in the hall, listening to these stories and feeling like, you know what, I actually think I'm benefiting more than anyone else, even the Christian students. And I'll go home and talk to my parents and say, like, I learned this today about Christianity. I learned about the Good Samaritan, these different stories that are wonderful. And they'll say, yeah, this is what we believe as well. Like, so for me, I think from a very early age, I realized that there are certain just really humane principles that are shared by everyone, regardless of what religion you follow, your race, everything. And everyone really respects this as well. So with these good principles, I think religion is a way to really embody them and to exemplify them. And that's probably what really interests me first in religion. That's really awesome. That's deep. That's, man. A, that's an amazing that's lovely story. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <coughs> so yeah, I've always been interested in religion for that. Awesome. So, so do you I want to start about what? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so what is? So I know you recommend me a book. I forgot mm. the actual name. I think it's called Generation, Generation Muslim. M. Yeah. Generation M. It's actually um, Generation M. Young Muslims changing, <laughs> changing the world or something like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Changing the world. I remember reading the title. Um, it was. I thought the actual it wasn't it wasn't a lady who wrote the book. Yeah, yeah. Uh, her name was Shalina Jal Mohammed. Okay, awesome. She wrote the book. We'll put the description, uh, the name of the yeah, book yeah, in the description, Yeah, it's a really good guys. book. I really recommend it for all Muslims, really. Especially, the thing is that if you look at British Islam, what is British Islam? It's so diverse that you can't paint it all with one brush. Because we're not a monolith. We're extremely different. In London alone, there's Muslims from over 50 different countries. So if you talk about one British Islam, like really, it falls apart. But what this book, uh, Generation M, does is it conducts these surveys across the world. So there's different Muslim-majority countries and Muslim-minority countries. Uh, sorry. Muslims living in countries as minorities and they do different surveys looking at this demograph and what they find is this cohort of Muslims because Muslims actually have the youngest age average age I was 23 I believe globally 25 in the UK and one thing that binds this group of generation M together is this un- this really underlining Weltanschung that there is no contradiction between their faith and modernity so what that means is being Muslim and being raised in British society as a member of British society, there's no contradiction in that, so it's perfectly compatible. A prime example of this is what you guys are doing at Inspire FM. Like you're part of British society, you're Muslims, and you're using both of them to create something new. And that's essentially what Generation M is all about. Um, cool. That's really cool, man. That was really concise, damn. Lovely <laughs> <coughs> source. Just got to learn that from Union. That yeah. Amazing oscillation. <laughs> you guys are too nice. Of course not, man. Of course not. So, Generation M is the younger generation uh, living up in Britain. What sort of issues and sort of problems have you seen facing these young Muslims as they sort of grow up? Mm. I mean, obviously you can speak from personal experience, but since you've studied it quite... Did you s- study religion in a societal yeah, context? Yeah, it was yeah. basically religion from the perspective of social sciences. So, yeah. sociology, anthropology, yeah. philosophy, history, etc. Damn. Damn. Yeah, so that's a lot of you, words, man. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's good, it's good, it's good. So would you like to? Would you like um, to elaborate? Think, on that? Yeah, something that's really interesting about Generation M is they, in a way, they actually seek out these problems, because as in different sort of misunderstanding, misconceptions about Islam. Yeah. So really a prime weird. example would be the hijab, as in you know women who wear the hijab, especially Muslim women, they go through a lot. Of like, it's a very difficult thing if you think about it, because they're wearing a piece of garment that essentially takes them out of society whilst also remaining in that society. It's a declaration that they follow religion. So with that comes a sort of, they're expected to be role models for the Muslims. And I think actually the Muslim men hold them to a higher sort of... Regard. Regard, exactly, yeah. Yeah. And um, so one of the things that they do is, as they wear the symbol of Islam, 
people in the street who are not Muslims, they can see that symbol. So come up and approach hijabis, hijabi women and talk to them about religion. So in a way, the hijab has become a way to clarify the religion, to engage, mm. engage in dialogue. Definitely. Clearing misconceptions. Another one is, what, again, what you guys are doing. You're here with Inspire FM. You're taking questions. <laughs> you're like challenging these misconceptions. And this is another thing about Generation M as well. Is because there is no incompatibility between religion and society that they seek out these sort of misconceptions to engage dialogue. And that really is the way forward to social harmony, to mm. live in a better society for all people, to understand one another, not just tolerate them. Definitely. What's really interesting is uh, one misconception is the whole handshaking, um, a man being um, a Muslim woman being able to shake a man's hand. Mm. And that's a very semantic issue that I feel like a lot of people fixate on. Uh, and one thing I've discussed with a lot of Muslim sisters is that a majority of them say they will engage in the handshake themselves if, if they feel comfortable with it. And if they don't, they won't do it. So when I ever go up to a Muslim sister, I don't actually go out of my way to handshake them. Yeah. I, I just say hello in a respectful way and greet them. But I don't go into engaging, giving them a handshake because of religious reasons. Mm. But if they are comfortable, they will naturally engage themselves. I and I think that's a very fair way of going about it. So I feel like if the rest of society just acknowledge a Muslim woman can decide whether she wants to shake a man's hand or not. Mm. And that's resp that's fine. That's her decision. And it's cool. Like, it's just easier to deal with. Like, so then men of many different faiths and they just know, okay, cool. If a Muslim woman with a hijab is going to shake my hand, she will give the offer herself. Mm. And if she doesn't, I'm going to respect that, say hello and carry on with my day. Yeah, I think there's like, actually the hadith says that it's better for a man to have a nail driven through his hand than to shake the, the hand of a member of the opposite sex, right? I don't know that. One. I believe that's the thing. But I think that really the the question or the problem really with the whole handshaking issue is whether or not that that sort of custom takes you out of society. So if like if I refuse to shake hand of a woman, am I unable to perform as a part of society? I would say no. I don't think it's actually an impediment to sort of social norms or social behavior. I mean, if I was interacting with a Chinese gentleman who for some reason preferred to bow instead of shaking hands, I'd have no problem with that. I'd take part in that culture. So I don't think. Even refusing to shake the hands of the opposite sex is rude or offensive. I think you can definitely do it and remain a part of your mm -hmm. society. I actually had a friend who went to an interview. Sorry, come close to the mic, sorry. Yeah, I had a friend who went to an interview and the woman interviewing him, she obviously <coughs> was a woman, so he didn't shake her hand. He was a practicing mm -hmm. brother as well. And she at first she was a bit like, okay, he's not shaking my hand, what's going on here? But then... He actually took a minute to step back and explain it like it's not offensive it's just in my religion it's out of respect we don't interact in this way and mm. they actually created a great rapport because it became a point of discussion and he got the job as well that's pretty beautiful also it's quite because muslim men have a hijab and that means to, to yeah. lower their gaze when they see see a woman yeah but the job is not just cloth it's a it's morals it's behavior it's action it's mm. really for the man i think it's really avoiding the lustful gaze that mm. we can interact with the opposite sex, but not in a way where we make them an object to fulfill sort of our kind of desires. We actually see their humanity and their own worth. Mm. So one question that I'd like to kind of uh, further elaborate on is, not a question, but an area, is with this identity, how can we as young Muslim members of society benefit our community? Because I feel like there is a natural moral, moral panic. So there's this fear in the media that a lot of young Muslims are being radicalized and Luton is so apparently known for that. Hmm. And I think that's a moral panic. I think the media actually put too much of an emphasis on this issue and they don't actually emphasize the positive contributions that young Muslims make in the hmm, community. And an example of this is Birmingham mosques uh, actually cleaning up the streets where the council actually lacks the money 
the government's giving them a lack of money to, to fund these kind of things. Um, so I would like actually to just talk about how can we as young Muslims in, in a town show people that we are a positive member of society hmm. and break this misconception of we are being radicalized. How I can see. we go about that? I do for my um, postgraduate dissertation, I actually wrote about Samuel Huntington's Clash of Civilizations thesis. Mm-hmm. And in this thesis, what he says is that in the future, he's, so he says that once the Cold War sort of paradigm has finished, the Cold War's over and the whole old rivalry between the USA and the USSR is finished, he tries to, to really work out a new paradigm to contemplate the future world affairs. So what he says is that moving on in the post-Cold War period, the primary source of conflict will be cultural. So he says there will be seven or eight major civilizations, and these civilizations, they're, they're really separated mainly by culture and religion. So you have Western culture on one hand and Islamic on the other. And there are seven or eight civilizations altogether, but he goes into detail on the Western and Islamic civilizations. And what he says is that because of their differences, they can't be compatible because they always seek to assert their will over the other, to dominate the other. Mm-hmm. So Western and Islamic civilization, they shouldn't be compatible. And he says that the conflict will occur on a global scale, but also between in one country with members of different civilizations. So I read this and I was actually quite happy because I could challenge it then from a sociological sort of perspective. So what I did was try to assess the veracity of Huntington's paradigm by contextualizing it in the British Muslim experience. So what I was looking for was emerging trends and demographics among British Muslims. And what I found was actually just uh, this concept of Generation M also is that it was this cohort of Muslims who do challenge this whole premise in itself to say that we are part of this society. And while Huntington is right in regards that there is clash, there is incompatibility between sort of Islamic values and British values, that conflict, that these differences don't always warrant contention and contention doesn't warrant violence. It doesn't lead to violence. And through Generation M, what we see is that aspects of incompatibility turn into points of discussion, of, ne- of renegotiation. So rather than members of different societies actually engaging in violence with one another, they actually renegotiate social, cultural and religious values. So like a prime example of this is, do you know the Ashura possession? When, um, oh, with the whole... Um, the d- Shias. Yeah, Shias, yeah. exactly. Shias, yeah. Uh, for the audience who yeah, don't, not understand at home, <coughs> Ashura is um, the... Actually, you know, that's like the pro... <laughs> yeah, could you just elaborate on what is Ashura what is? and... Uh, okay, yeah, Ashura in Arabic literally just means 10th. It's the 10th day of Muharram. And it's a day when like, Shia Muslims from all over the world are plunged into mourning, remembering the sacrifice of Imam Hussein. From the Shia perspective, the sacrifice was to preserve Islam. And I mean, like, I'm not a Shia, but like I'm just speaking as an oh, observer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, so one of the things that we see is, well, one of the caricatured images of Shia Muslims is them beating themselves with knives and chains. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the authorities, they actually, like Imam Sistani, for instance, um, Ayatollah Hamanai as well, that they, while they permit this form of Latmiya, they don't actually... What's Latmiya, by the way? Huh? Latmiya. Basically just... Um, so hit, matam, hitting yourself, yeah, yeah. Okay, these cool. sort of practices. Like, they don't explicitly forbid it, but they actually, they, in a way, they, they word it in a way where they, there should be an alternative, if mm. that makes sense. Mm, mm, mm. And so what we see in British Islam, and something that's emerged really within the last decade or so, in Britain as well, is that a new form of this whole procession of bloodletting is to donate blood in the name of Imam Hussein. Which is really positive. For Very society. positive. So the, the whole message of Imam Hussein has almost been renegotiated as a means of social justice. Mm. So the legacy of Imam Hussein is to continue, is to fight against injustice. Mm. So uh, there's a high part, 
procession. One, the people had placards. They were having like this whole sort of onashura as well. But one of the placards that really caught my attention was to end to end water poverty is to continue the legacy of Mam Hussein. So that really struck me that we can incorporate our own traditions, our own legacies and towards a, f- a cause that we can all get behind. Do you know what's really beautiful though is that that's really beneficial for the rest of society and, yeah. that, and that also shows how one, you know Generation M as we were talking, so just a quick recap guys, thank you for very much watching um, viewers. Yeah, yeah, <coughs> yeah. thank you all for watching. Very much, I was going to say, yeah, thank you very much for watching. Please give us your questions and we will be willing to, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, there, there is a question one. but um, I'm just going to finish up real finish quick. Up real quick. So, we were talking about Generation M and what that means as there's 50 different Mus- there's yeah, Muslims are from 50 different countries within London yes. from from within Britain and how being Generation M or British Islam can't just be covered by one colour it's actually a variety of colours because <coughs> dif- Islam has its different uh, pr- there's different perspectives on it and Shia Islam and Ashura and the way bloodletting occurs by donating blood is a very beneficial positive way of benefiting society and the reason why is because i actually donated blood uh three months ago and they were saying how within the asian community there's not enough people donating blood and that's really dangerous because a lot of the asian community suffer from diabetes and like require a lot of um operations etc etc and the lack because each biologically speaking each race the how the blood works Hmm. is very different and we need uh, blood from specific areas, so on and so forth, because certain parts of the globe have more a, more of a specific blood type than other aspects of the globe, just because of the way things work out. But yeah, okay. I don't. That's just something. Is that, that true? I don't know <laughs> how true it is, but that's what the nurse yeah. said to me. Sounds true. Sounds true. It, that's what the nurse said. So to So she's me. saying and that she needs more people from Asian Asian community to to donate blood because yeah, the mom Hussein can provide. Yeah, yeah. mom Hussein yeah. can exactly. provide. Yeah, twenty first century Britain. Yeah, yeah. boom. There yeah. You go. So thank you so much for watching so far. Um, <coughs> We're joined here by our amazing guest, Hersma. <laughs> you know, he's been uh, definitely dropping lots of knowledge, uh, nuggets of wisdom. Um, also, thank you for the question, Alicia. So she's just wanted to know what um, what a Shia Muslim was. But before I let you answer that, uh, just to clarify for... Because I, like I told you, we don't have... Our live viewers are usually not Muslim. But um, okay. also, um, remember to follow us on Luton on Instagram. And um, follow us on Facebook if you have Facebook. And remember to share the video as well, because uh, I think this is a very interesting one. For people who, for Muslims in Britain and for non-Muslims in Britain, because it's very dicey territory right now, and it's definitely useful to have Hersma here to clear up a lot of misconceptions. But um, yeah. So, with the question, real quick, um, what is a Shia Muslim? Uh, before I answer that question, I just want to say that as British Muslims, we're actually in a very unique <coughs> position in the sense that if you look at religion, it's always been implemented culturally, right? So if you look at like Pakistan, Bangladesh, mm-hmm. whilst they're they're very similar to each other, that there are differences coming here. But when we come here, we actually think about everything. We scrutinize everything. But that gives us a really an unprecedented opportunity to create Islam based on the really the fundamental premises, right? So if you look at, you go to different countries, there's a lot of contention between different people of different races, even sex. But when we come to here to Britain, we have that opportunity to move forward, to move beyond sort of racial prejudices, beyond sectarian prejudices. Like look at us, we're Bengalis, Pakistanis. But we see each other as Muslim, British Muslims. That's our unity. In the same way with Sunnis and Shia Muslims as well, we declare La ilaha illa Muhammadur Rasulullah. We are Muslims by declaration. So in that reason that whilst there has been a tendency to really exacerbate the tensions between Sunnis and Shias, that in Britain we can't do so. Because we have to, we can create like the paradigm moving forward. So with Sunnis and Shias, we should always remember that we are Muslims. First, firstly, I think that's the first point. So what is a Shia Muslim? 
Well, the term Shia Muslim, it means partisan of Ali, a follower of, of Imam Ali. Originally, it was a political term to denote followers of Imam Ali. So yeah, Imam, they follow the followers of Imam Ali. Um, Imam Ali yeah. Was it Khalifa Ali? Um, sorry, I don't know. So Imam Ali was the fourth successor to the Prophet Muhammad, mm-hmm. peace be upon him. And um, so what is a Shia Muslim? There's the main difference between the Sunni Muslims and the Shia Muslims really is the belief that Imam Ali, who, who was the cousin and son-in-law of the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, he should have been the first uh, successor to the Prophet Muhammad. So mm-hmm. he should have overtaken leadership of the Muslim affairs. <coughs> Whereas the Sunni Muslims, we maintain that how history happened was correct, that Imam Abu Bakr Siddiq was the first caliph and then Umar then Uthman, and we have no contention with that. Okay, cool. That really is the main difference. Awesome. Thank issues. you very much for clarifying that difference. Appreciate yeah. it. Masam, where would... So, we've discussed what Generation M is. Mm-hmm. We've discussed the variety of how different types of Muslims can contribute to British society positively through donating blood and Shia Islam is an aspect of that. Um, what are... Now, my concern is... Because there's a variety of uh, Mus- um, Muslims... And and the perspectives, how can we? There's a high. Isn't do you think there's a high chance of us as Muslims clashing within Britain in regards to these views? As in clashing with each other. With each other. With, with Generation M, hmm. and and how do we deal with that? Because you said first and foremost we're Muslim. We should re- remember that. Hmm. But when there is conflict, how? Because how can we? How 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 are we gonna go about that? Hmm. I think really amongst ourselves. The main source of the conflict is the perception that maybe if I'm right, then you have to be wrong. If you're right, I have to be wrong. Um, it's like, it's sorry. orthodoxy. Orthodoxy is actually a Christian terminology. It comes from the Greek orthos and doxa, which means the original way, the only way, basically. So if you're orthodox, anyone who's not same as you is wrong. Mm. But as Muslims, we don't have that concept. We, As the Prophet Muhammad he said, difference of opinion is a mercy to my ummah. So if we're sitting here together and we're talking about Islam, we might have three different opinions. I'd say hopefully we have three different opinions. If you have everyone who has the same opinion, you're not going to learn anything. Mm, of course. So in that way, we have to have that respect and tolerance and to know that my <coughs> opinion is as valid as yours, your opinion is as valid as mine. Mm. And we have a mutual goal. The mutual goal is to uncover the most truthful interpretation mm. of Islam. So mm. in that way, we're working together. So mm. I think what we have to remember is that we are on the same team effectively and that well, differences do not warrant contention again. So I think that is really the crucial step. Definitely, I, I see that. Because the fact that we have so many different of opinion is actually a great source of of growth, mm. essentially, if we, if we view it correctly. Mm. At the same time, it can be a source of violence if we have that perception, which hopefully we <coughs> don't, and I don't think we do. Definitely, I don't, I don't really think, I don't think in, in, in British society, uh, as Generation M, we would really resort to violence like mm. that because yeah, we, we do have British values yeah. instilled within us in, in, yeah, in sure. a sense. Yeah. Also, uh, about Generation M also, it's just that it's, it's not necessarily all Muslims fit into that category, but it's really, it's a young demographic of Muslims. It's normally middle class, but and it's really this view that there's no incompatibility between religion and society. But again, there's other forms of Muslims mm-hmm. as well, of that demographic, but it's very influential. That That's really the big point of Generation M. It's been identified as the major change of source within Muslim communities. And what's interesting, sorry, no, go for playing, it, go for it, go for it. is that it, rather than just accepting like that they're the British or Muslim one or the other, is that they really seek to cater to Muslim tastes as well. So a prime example would be the dress. Like, do you know the dress that our mothers yep. wear? That when they first came to this country to find modest clothing would have been difficult, right? Mm. But now that like, you go into Debenhams, you go into like, the high street, you see very modest clothes. It's become part of fashion. And really? It has. Do you know I, I felt that there, there was a... 
a lack of modest clothes. Do you think I so? Like, yeah, I feel like there was a... I, when I go into the shops, I, I feel like... I mean, women, women. I mean, I don't look at women's clothes, so I don't know. I'm a pervert, yeah, so... I'm a pervert. <laughs> I don't either, but <laughs> there was, there's lots of Muslim industries now, so they're creative industries. Oh, yeah, like Zara, isn't it? Is, is that Muslim? No, I don't know. I thought Zara was just... just I felt like... Uh, I thought Zara was very Muslim. My bad. Sell a buyers and stuff. How are we doing on, on Time Out of Curiosity? Uh, we've got about 20 minutes. Okay, mm. awesome source. Um... But yeah, there's sorry. Um, there's Muslim industries as well. There's one um Abe Fashion, and what they do is design modest swimwear, and they had a collaboration Jeez. with Debenhams, and that swims that whole range that, sold out within days. Is that where the burkini comes from? Burkini, I think that was that's that such a meme, isn't it? But that that would be another example of this, uh, absolutely. Yeah. But uh. so would again Inspire FM. <laughs> <laughs> Your radio show bringing it back came in. into Muslim talents, to Muslim tastes. Mm. Mm. So. I suppose one thing I would like to ask you is, um, so there's a, I would say there's a prominent sort of counter argument that says that Islam is incompatible with Western beliefs, Oof. saying that, you know, where you get like uh, the acceptance of homosexuality, the acceptance of uh, sort of you doing whatever you want and sort of, I, w- I would say orthodoxly anti-Islamic values. Hmm. How do you sort of incorporate that or sort of try to live by th- alongside that as a young Muslim within society? I mean, personally... I don't believe that there's any Islamic belief that is incompatible with our society. I think there's definitely interpretations that are. But if you look at really what I try to do anyway, my own sort of experience is to go back to the earliest form of this policy. So if you look at a prime example, one that I really <coughs> like is jihad. Like you say that word, people get scared. Oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> no, no, what are you doing? Genuinely. Imagine going to a supermarket and just saying jihad. People get so scared. Mm. But like, the, you wouldn't ever dare to say that. You wouldn't. You really wouldn't. It's like doing I the would. Nazi salute in Germany. Like, like, why would you yeah, do that? It's asking mm. to get shot. But like, if you look at what jihad actually means, it means struggle. Mm. And if you look at what Prophet Sallallahu said, the jihad really is firstly a struggle against our own selfish desires, against all these constraints that hold us back from being good humans to being people who are benefit to society. As in, as Muslims, we have we should be people who, when we go places, people become happy that we're there. We should be an asset to our society, definitely. Hundred yeah. percent, we should be an asset. Yeah. So if you look at what jihad means, Prophet on occasion he was returning from the battlefield, and he says to his companions, he says, "We're returning from the lesser jihad to the greater jihad." What he meant by that is that actual armed combat is the lesser form of the jihad, whereas mm. that struggle in our society, in ourselves, in our families, that is the major source of jihad. So I think with, with uh, all the examples you gave, even with like homosexuality, mm-hmm. if you look at how the Prophet ﷺ intended these sort of principles to be, it wasn't for us to go out there seeking people who we deem to be less religious as mm. ourselves than, than being holier than thou and seeking to really implement that. It's, it's for ourselves firstly and foremostly. Even with adultery, like there's a uh, story of the Prophet ﷺ where a woman comes to him asking for the punishment, and he actually turns her away, and she goes to Umar Abu Bakr, and they turn him away, and then eventually, I think Umar says, "Go to the Prophet ﷺ," and he turns. Like, he's very upset about this. He didn't want to give it to her. He was very reluctant, but she kept insisting, and it was only then that it was given. So with the punishments, it's not that we want to implement these. It's more that it's a warning for ourselves and for our society. I mean, that's my opinion. Obviously, I'm no scholar. Here's another um, interesting thing that a lot of people write in right-wing media. Uh, they really pushes is Sharia, hmm. and and Shabra I feel like law. Sh- Sharia, Sharia law. Sharia law eh, I want to chop your hands off. Um, that was sarcasm, by the way, for people who don't understand that. Um, <laughs> that had to be done. Yeah, it had to be done. Uh, for some, okay, tangent, real quickly. I feel like our intellectual capability of being sarcastic in humor has disappeared. Anyways, carrying on. 
You don't need to do that. I wanted. <laughs> I wanted to. I wanted to. So Sharia law, I feel like that's a philosophy that's highly misunderstood. Do you want to? Do you want to? Do you want to define what Sharia law is for the um, viewers? Isn't it? I actually don't fully know, but it's an it's understanding. It's straight path, isn't it? In Arabic, yeah. yeah the way I think way to watering hole or something. Like yeah. The way to watering hole. It's not codified. I mean, is it, is it not codified? There yeah. isn't one book that says Sharia law says yeah, Sharia law says this. Oh. Is that most of it just different interpretations? Oh but man, it, yeah. that's something new. I didn't know. So that. like, that's the thing when people say like, you know what Sharia law is this? No, that's your understanding of Sharia law. That's not what Sharia law is. Because Sharia law is also lowering your gaze, isn't it? It's everything. It's like all and the laws basically. Off. Yeah, like it just doesn't it's, make sense. It's isn't also it? saying that none of you is a true believer until you desire for your brother what you love for yourself. It's yeah. saying that I think that also none of you is a believer until what when, who fills his belly when his neighbor goes hungry. I believe that's also see. So that's right? like that's so amazing because that shows how much. Because that's one interpretation of Sharia law. Now, if you're if you're that's one aspect of Shira. one aspect of it. Now, if if your neighbor has no food and they're basically like redundant and they've become redundant. <laughs> it's your duty as a Muslim to, to provide for them and also and feed yeah. them basically. Yeah. And then when you hear the media say like, "Oh yeah," it says chop your hands off if you steal, all of this, all of that, and uh, shave the woman's head off. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> it's it, Christianity. <laughs> no, no, in Arabia, in Arabia, like you shave woman, the woman's head. I, I read a right wing article on it. Like, <laughs> I'm not too sure if it's true or not. But um, I think that's. A, I feel like that's a massive misconception that needs to be kind of like. Yeah, watered so down. So Sharia, Sharia law, Sharia law, Sharia. I mean, I think Sharia law is just really—it's <coughs> a guise for right-wing extremists to say that this is what's wrong with Islam. This is what they advocate, but it's really is cherry picking. It's cherry picking verses that aren't that aren't very nice. <laughs> Essentially, mm. is what it is. But at the same time, you can do the opposite and say like all these wonderful quotes about Islam. So in truth, I think the whole argument that Sharia law is this, Sharia law is that, is very weak. I mean, people who are saying Sharia law means chopping off hands, mm. Sharia law means all these things. They know nothing about Islam. They don't have an Arabic qualification. They don't have the qualifications that are needed for Muslims to be scholars. Like, there is actually requirements for a scholar mm-hmm. to be a scholar, right? Mm. And the people who are like Tommy Robinson, for instance, they have no learning in Islam, but they still insist that their interpretation is the right one. Mm. The only other Muslims who do that is ISIS, if we call them Muslims, which we shouldn't. I don't know, 100% I see that. I also, like one thing that I kind of like, I remember listening to you like when you seek knowledge have a sincerity about it 100%. because when because this also goes into like cog- like your own bias as a human being and um, you can have a positive bias or a negative bias but have a sincerity because when you get a piece of knowledge you may use it to undercut someone rather than actually lift yeah. the rest of the world or lift people up <coughs> very true so it's a lot like that definitely it's sort of what's the intention you go in with the knowledge you only seek to learn enough to de- debunk others or do you seek to learn enough to actually find a solution? Yeah, 100%. because um, you know, when you go on that n- journey with knowledge, as you go along it, definitely, I've seen. I used to be like one of those sort of edgy kids who's like, "Oh, you're wrong because X, Y, Z," but mm. I would stop there. And it's definitely useful to go further than just saying why you're wrong. It's better to say this is how we can both become better. I see. Mm. And you know, so that's that's the knowledge. Uh, that's mm. the journey we go on. When trying to so I, like I was very fortunate in that respect because, like, when I first. Really learn about Islam. It was during RS, uh, religious studies mm. at Lewis Sixth Form College, <coughs> where I had Miss Elif as my teacher, and like she was incredible. Like genuinely, she was an amazing teacher. Like I would say, Beautiful genuinely, she transformed my life. Like really, like learning about Islam for the first time. It was incredible, and you see that sincerity, that mm. pure motivation, that like this, like you want good for someone else. Mm-hmm. That was what, like, what I learned from Zelis. So in that respect, I was Definitely. very fortunate. It's cool, really good, man. Source, man. Ha- um, We've got ten minutes. Ten minutes. Okay, cool. Should we like how? How would you like to do the rest of those ten minutes? Um, 
We could round everything up. I would, li- I would like. I'd like to do some quick. I don't know. Let's see if we can get some questions. A few more questions done without uh, cool, talking cool, to. Cool. Uh, Actually, I have a question for you. Yeah. Mm. What aspect of uh, Muslims integrating themselves within <coughs> society? What what aspect of it interests you the most? Of integration. Yeah, like what aspect of integration interests you the most? Hmm. See, like my interest is really British Muslims in general. Mm. So with integration, what do I say? Because look. Talk about integration isn't I guess there? morality That's something that really Strikes me I don't know if you would Call that integration I, I guess you could If you say yeah, social integration Yeah But like During the morals That we have as Muslims That we're taught to embody And mm-hmm. the example The Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam What actually really struck me Was during when I first Went to SOAS Mm-hmm. And so that's the sort of university where everyone's like quite left wing. They're very on social justice. Everyone wants a better, freer world. And you meet people who are very hardcore left wing, so very feminine. You know, like the oh yeah, yeah. yeah. social or justice warriors, social yeah. justice warriors, exactly. And like people who really spend a lot of time campaigning just for like social justice. A lot of people look at them and be like, yeah, they're just hippies. But if you actually talk to them, what's really remarkable is that these are people who are so committed to their mission that they're willing to make sacrifices to it just to make a small difference. Mm. And when I like, look at these people and speak to them, like what I think about is the message of the Prophet ﷺ in Mecca, Rasulullah Because if you look at like what they're advocating, going out of their way, it's like a lot of it is that same sincerity that I see in the Prophet ﷺ when he would like go out on days when it was so, like so much rain that no one was out apart from the Prophet ﷺ. Mm. And like when he would go to Abu Lahab's house and ask him to come to Islam. Even this is a man <coughs> who's belittled him, tormented him, done mm. all this stuff to him. Just for that little aspect. So in Soas when I would talk to people about their views and opinions, I found that even if they had like sort of a prejudice against Islam, when we would actually talk and we'd talk about the messages of like social justice essentially in Islam, they had a great affinity to it. And like I was fortunate to have met these people because I felt like I was able to uncover a new layer of the of the message of Islam in a way through these people who weren't Muslims at all. Mm. But just through their messages and how they arrived at that premise without Islam, I found it remarkable. Because we mm. believe in the fitrah, right? We believe that there is like, this humanity within all of us. Mm. That if we were left alone, that like, we would still recognize it. And that's something that's that beautiful. I see really... Yeah, that's really, just really beautiful. It's just that inner humanity, know called... you know, that inner love, compassion. I, I, I didn't know that. Be- I definitely believe in that. Like I didn't know that existed yeah. until just now, and that's something yeah, that I, I, might I believe. Have said it wrong, but <laughs> no, no, no. But that's how I believe it. Too. No, no, definitely. I, I, that's really cool. Yeah, like, that's something that, that re- I really loved, for sure. I think, yeah, that's what fascinates me. Integration. All right. So, guys, that was. I hope that was an engaging conversation yeah, for I quite, I quite, all of your viewers. I, I learned a lot. You know, a lot. I learned a lot. Definitely. It um, was. It was definitely one of those conversations where you can't just. It's not black and white it's definitely mm, grey zones and I think these are I think this is a conversation that more young Muslims need to should, be having you yeah. need to, must in my opinion be having yeah. um, just force them in it force them Shariah <laughs> 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 Islam right now but the way it is we, I think we have so much uh, we're, we're, our position is actually quite good Like we spend a lot of time talking about how bad it is and there mm. are elements to that but on the other hand we're in such a unique position that like, genuinely like you know we're bilingual like we speak languages right <laughs> multilingual as a community yeah <laughs> lingual <laughs> but um <laughs> i didn't get the joke no worries <laughs> you trying to say i speak one language no 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 Wait, Mongolia, bro. Ah, I am Mongolia. <laughs> 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 how did you forget that but you know they, they actually did research where they saw that there are people who speak more languages that they're able to think in more ways oh. and this is by the guardian it was saying how like people who speak more language they're able to think and process their thoughts in a certain way and it mm. actually gives them an advantage and if you incorporate that into the British Muslim experience who have over 50 ethnicities in London alone, like, that's quite remarkable. Mm. And I think the average Muslim probably does speak two languages, if yeah. not Arabic as well. 
Yeah, so that's true. You know, yeah. that's just this like a sort of a small example of like the potential we hold. Mm, that's beautiful. That's man. a really positive note to end it on. Jeez. Actually, thank you all for watching. You. you, me, and a cup of tea. Thank this you. is a very, very informative episode. I would say I definitely <laughs> learned quite. Please a lot. share and yeah, uh, share it with your friends. And also, if you feel like you have any other problems that you find that you struggle with as a young Muslim in Britain. Please, I was going to say Islam again. Please um, comment down below and let us know so we can uh, talk mm-hmm. about that, start the discussion. Remember to share this with your Muslim friends, have a discussion about that too. Uh, remember to follow us on Inspire FM at Luton on Instagram. This has been Yumi and a cup of tea. I've been Mas. He's um, been Ash. Thank yeah. you so much, Shersamoff, for taking your time out. Also, uh, before we completely end it off, yeah. uh, I want to say, please tell us if there's any, this is a new thing that me and Masim discussed, if there's any, uh, guests that you'd like to come on and discuss a topic with them again uh, as you, you guys are the audience and you have a specific question that you'd like to discuss mm-hmm. with a guest uh, we will definitely lo- bring them back on uh, if, and I'm sure they'd love to be back on as well Yeah. <laughs> so yeah thank hope. you <laughs> thank you so much yeah See? bye thank you for listening to our podcast we stream our daily broadcast on inspirefm.org you'll find all our daily updates on our social media at Inspire FM Luton.